this is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, the London is Blue podcast emergency edition mm. of the chaos that is the transfer window winding down. We're recording this on Sunday afternoon, U.S. time. Dan here, one of your hosts. Brandon, enjoying a nice weekend off here, but Nick is back from a golf weekend where he trounced the opposition. He's come back with minimal back pain. Um, and really just no hangover whatsoever to talk about what's going on in Chelsea. None of that is correct. And um, <laughs> I will say to like wake up this morning and like I always do kind of the one I squint at my phone to see like what's happened this month on, on see Ollie with the eyeball emojis. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Now we're getting stuck in. Now we're back. Oh, that is right. We do have good friend Ollie Glanville back on the pod with us too, because Ollie, we just need to almost have a little bit of talk therapy, kind of sharing the excitement together about what might transpire over the next 24 to 48 hours. And it's good to do that with friends, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I'm here to just get get us through this kind of tumultuous next kind of 72 hours uh should be a quiet one you know well look uh there's no more jet tracking on twitter so we don't know if egg is in fact in lisbon yet but we're hoping that that's the case because we're going to be talking about a few things here the midfield mania that is wrapping up the window for chelsea as major news was announced about enzo fernandez heading into the weekend here both from uh portuguese and argentinian sources and english media sources as well we also want to talk a little bit more about malo gusto and chelsea's new approach to talent id and maybe new approaches to how we film the arrival of players with professional camera crews in jets and then we also want to look ahead to the fact that chelsea are in fact returning to footballing action, the men's team, uh, you know, the women's team obviously have been taking care of business in quite fine fashion, as well as uh, some of the academy teams, too. But returning against Fulham, and maybe who will be healthy for Grand Potter to select and start to rebalance the side in terms of those who are coming back in. We want to say a couple quick gratitudes, though, on Patreon to Edward and Ryan on Apple Podcasts. We want to thank Chelsea Fan 91 and Jacob uh, Jacoby Smith 24 from the U.S. And then, hey, we've cracked the code. We're now at 1,700. 100 plus reviews on Spotify at 4.9 stars. The push to 2,000 is on. Look, we've got 35-ish plus days until we're back in London. Nick, hanging out with friends like Ollie Glanville. Let's get to 2,000 by then. That would be great. That's a big goal. It's a lofty goal, and I like where you're going with that. If you are listening to this and you're like, hey, man, I'm really interested in potentially seeing Enzo Fernandez play football in person, you have one day to sign up for our trip. Okay? There it is. Links are everywhere. DM us, email us. We'll get you connected. We've had like five more signups this week. I think the vibes are returning. The positive vibes are returning. So uh, just a last alert there for you. We're going to be doing live shows. We're going to be seeing Chelsea play in the Champions League against Dortmund. Leeds at home. It's going to be a blast. Get stuck in. Well, yes, nature is healing at SW6, and Chelsea are returning to being the heel, the wrestling heel for every other side in global football right now. So that's why I'm calling it midfield mania. And look, <laughs> what is happening? Because as Nick's alluded to earlier, we woke up from Cesar Mercado, Merlo's tweet indicating that there's more going on with Enzo Fernandez and what is happening right now. Chelsea potentially willing to go up to the 120 million euro mark. 
Now, how that actually happens and how that is structured, that is the thing that has to be potentially decided at this point. But we see that Ollie first, and then we see hours later, Matt Law, Ben Jacobs, several others, Fabrizio tweeting as well that Chelsea are in fact in conversation, that something might be able to be done. Rui Costa potentially being a stern negotiator, but then Egbali coming in from the top rope trying to get the deal done. How are you feeling about all of this as a potential and, I mean, maybe just reacting to the thoughts of it? I mean, I've been saying for a while that it, it's almost too quiet on the midfield front. Like, we heard briefly that Caicedo, you know, we, we looked at a kind of verbal offer of 55 million, which... You know, we know Brighton, they're not going to accept that. That's a ludicrous offer. It's like <laughs> half of what they want, right? So, yeah, for me, we never closed that door on Enzo. And um, we were always going to come back in strong. And this kind of real time element to this as well, with four or five days left of the window, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, and you're talking about a guy who will come on to as like a transformative player. Like he would fundamentally change the way we played if we could get this over the line. So, yeah, it's a it's a really big statement. Yeah, I, I, Dan, I like that you titled this midfield mania because uh, as a as a child, I watched some WWF wrestling. Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course, being my favorite wrestler, and I would just remember, you know, it'd be a normal match. You know, everything would be happening. It'd be the, the end of Monday Night Raw. And then you'd hear the glass shattering music, and then he'd come out in Stone Cold Stunner. Everybody in the ring, referees, announcers, didn't matter. That was just how it ended. If we pull this off, that is the equivalent to a Stone Cold Stunner to the rest of the league, particularly uh, to those who were hoping to maybe wait to the summer to bid for this player. And I mean, again, it's it's you know on a more serious front now that I've got my Stone Cold analogy out there. Uh, this is a uh, part of the reason why you have smart negotiators within your team. You don't burn bridges. You don't get too upset. You don't get too emotional because, you know, as time passes, circumstances change, right? And they might be looking at their books. They might be looking at their their cash value. I talked about this with Adam last week. If Enzo gets hurt on February 1st and it's a long-term injury, his value is probably halved, Right. So they're, they're playing a really dangerous game with this with this guy that they bought for 10 some odd million last year to make a thousand percent profit on him in, in less than seven months. I mean, this is a this is a pretty big deal. And I think it's a smart thing for Chelsea just to go in and see where the right line is. Well, we know that when Stanley is doing the you can't see me and we've got the Todd father himself asking if you can smell what he's cooking. As we're recording this, we are in fact kind of just pulling in the live tweets. So we have one from Matt Law saying Chelsea officials could in fact travel to Portugal to get the deal done just to take Bali when Stanley flew to Turkey to get the Mudrick deal over the line. And I, I think, Nick, you have been colder on this potential transfer than some others. And I pulled in the graph here that expected Chelsea put out as the what finally won Nick over section. And this is seemingly the thing that has warmed you up to this idea of Enzo at the at potentially the price level. Because I think that's always been the issue for you is that the price feels exorbitantly high for, again, that one year of growth for the player yeah so i mean let, let's just frame up my the reason why i was maybe a little less psyched than dan has been wearing his enzo fernandez pajamas to bed every night why, why um, not <laughs> 
Um, look, I, I, I think you can make an argument over the summer that Chelsea were a mark, right? We were a mark for maybe players who had peaked or were nearing their peak and who have not performed well uh, for us in the first half of this year. A bunch of that, you know, a, a bunch of circumstances to be damned as well. We've, we've just had some shit luck this year uh, alongside some, some potentially maybe some panic buys that haven't worked out. This is not a panic buy, but I would say he's only been at Benfica for seven months. They bought him for 10 some odd million. He had a phenomenal World Cup. Everyone knows how fucking talented he is. I mean, come on. Like, it's not a question of talent. But I think my bigger thing is like, one, is he worth a thousand percent inflation in seven months? Two, is this the player that is going to help Chelsea get to a point this summer where we're playing? you know, kind of closer to sixth, fifth, fourth, instead of ninth or 10th, right? I don't know the answer to that question. TBD, we don't even know if this is going to happen or not. But my my sense all along, Ollie, and, and I'm happy for you to refute my statement, has been that someone in the destroyer profile might be more useful to us this season as we stand than maybe someone who's a little bit more creative, I know there are a bunch of people who will disagree with me on that, and that's totally fine. We can all have our own arguments on that. But I, I was always kind of more on the destroyer side. I mean, if we sign him, I'm going to be out of the mood. Dan will have to ship me an extra pair of the pajamas to wear to bed. Okay, Done. So this is not about him as the player. It's more about our circumstances and where we are right now as a team and what we need because our midfield has been so decimated, and we know that N'Golo Conte is not replaceable. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we all know... Our lack of recruitment in the kind of uh, demolisher DM profile um, since, well, around 2019, when you're thinking back to when N'Golo got his first big injury. Um, but what, what's emerged this window is that there aren't that many of those profile really available right nope. now. Or not that clubs want to let go, right? You know, West Ham are not going to let Declan Rice go this window. Brighton are fighting really hard on Caicedo right now. And of those two, you know, Rice obviously has the big history with us. Um, and in terms of the fee, it's kind of around a similar amount for those two. And I would argue that Rice is a more complete player. So it doesn't seem like uh, we're going to go back in for Caicedo after the initial offer. So perhaps it indicates that we've got, you know, we're going to, not settle for our second choice or third choice targets and we're going to go for the, the first choice in the summer you know there's a reason why zakaria came uh as an extra body in that in that demolisher role so yeah i'd say kind of wait and see on that but as you say like enzo fernandez he's just such a rare profile he's got so many like elite qualities like we're we're showing the um the graph that uh, expected Chelsea um, displayed on on Twitter, um, you know, that it's out of a hundred, and on three of the values, his value is a hundred. So this is the this is the kind type of guy you're talking about. Uh, I mean, and and the ones that are in this the highest, like percentages, right? Mm -hmm. uh, goal creating actions, shot creating actions shots non-expected or non-pen or expected non-pen goal contributions mm -hmm. uh and the one that's just a little bit lower down which i think most people are excited about is key passes right this is something uh, from a profile that you've been talking about for a long time that 
perhaps our creativity problem exists further back, not further forward, right? You, you pick up Mudrik, you pick, pick up Matueke, you know, you have Sterling, you have Pulisic, you have all these other players up front. We just can't get him the ball in dangerous positions. Maybe that's the reason why he's he's the guy in this scenario. That's the thing that I continue to underline as the why Fernandez. Why would you go bigger on this player in the fact that when you look at these stats, and so there are stats on the percentile ranking kind of compared within other midfielders and so that's the number out of 100 is you know if you're saying 89 or 90 it's the 90th percentile of midfielders in those stats and areas and uh, the number of those that are in that 85 90 90 plus 100 even is why you should be excited I think it does allow a lot of our team to be the beneficiary I mean he doesn't make just one player better he makes the entire attack better and if you've looked at a couple of the performances for Benfica and just what he can do when he's on his day, that is something to be very excited for, both in what he's done in the Champions League, so in European competitions, and what he's done in the domestic league, too. So you're getting someone who's been able to do it both. I do think, as with anything else, it is a massive monetary commitment. But I think the other benefit is doing it now versus doing it in the summer we know that the rules are going to change and that UEFA has decided that Chelsea is the reason. We're not going to allow any crazy accounting changes again. We're going to go back to five-ish year deals to do the amortization over. So if you can get this opportunity and say, yes, we're overpaying right now, but we can divide that cost over seven and a half years, eight and a half years. Hell, let's assign him to a 10-year deal. Uh, who, who says no to that? You're really finding the value in the player over the longer period. And that actually is going to give you more flexibility in the summer and beyond as you look to refill this side. Because I think to the point here, Ollie, you don't know what's going to happen with Jorginho. You don't know what's going to happen with Conte. You have Kovacic, who will be on two years. And so the question then is, do you think he's going to renew? Hurt. He's hurt half the year every right year. right now. You're in restock mode. And if you're in restock mode and you haven't invested in the midfield for multiple years, just look at this as paying for your past sins in failure to recruit at 20 to 30 million a season for the past five years. And then you're good. It's good, reflective way of taking care of things. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've we've heard a lot of a lot of commentary on the fact that there isn't a plan in terms of our spending. But what you're seeing is almost every single player that we've picked up is on track to be if not the next big thing then one of the next big things or or you know to be talked about in that category right obviously enzo winning the best young player at the world cup kind of fast tracks that right <laughs> but um when he went to benfica from from river plate people were watching him like lots of big clubs are watching him at river and Benfica took the chance because they are the sort of club that develops that player in order to sell on. Like, let's not, not beat around the bush. That is their business model. But in terms of Enzo, if it doesn't get done this window and, you know, in the summer it comes back up, he won't be offered for the same money because they won't be able to get that. But there will be a lot of suitors. You know, Real are looking at us right now going, you know, it, we want Bellingham, but if we don't get him... Enzo's next off off the you know off the conveyor right. Liverpool are desperately looking at that, saying if we can't get Bellingham, Enzo's right there. 
you know, Bayern, and you can name it, any top club, United, City, they're all looking at this guy. And that's it's for a reason. He is an elite talent. And as I keep saying, he's, he would be transformative to the way we play. You know, he is a plug and play sort of player in any kind of system because he just that has that kind of aura around him and that kind of generalist ability to do so many rare things in one single player. Um, so it is such a huge coup if we can get this over the line. And that's why we're willing to go almost above and beyond, right? We're talking about a Premier League record transfer. We're talking about Benfica's record uh, record sale, our record uh, transfer as a club. Like this is a this is like a big boy signing, right? Yeah. This is a statement signing that the next decade is going to be our decade. Sounds like a good way to put that. Um, just just so yeah, we'll put the chart out and, and actually we'll retweet expect to Chelsea because they did all this all the work but uh ball progression machine sounds good uh top level final ball boy have we missed that uh great passing range sure uh confident shooter uh did you see his goal at the world cup good tackling prowess good not great it, it, let's let's be honest about that he's not this is not a cdm in the traditional sense right this is a, a really good double pivot number six or even a progressive number eight um and he's equally comfortable in both roles. He can play deeper as as more of a playmaker from deep. But if you think about the way that like Conte and Jorginho or Conte and Kovacic have played, he's definitely more of of the Kovacic Jorginho role than he is the Conte role, right? So we just have to be really cognizant of that. We're still going to need someone or some ones on the other side to complement what he can do because he's not a high level dribbler like Kovacic is, and he's more of a reactive defender because his brain wants to go forward. Right. And I think that's really, you know, Dan, to me, like with with good comes bad. Like we have to be balanced in our in our understanding of who this player is. He does a lot more of what we need than what than what we don't need. Right. I mean, it's it's a it's an overall win, but I just want to kind of call that out. Yeah, you're at the point now. And so we'll we'll kind of end on Fernandez, but continue on this midfield conversation. You're at the point now where you either get the deal done now and you don't necessarily want to do the release clause because there's a tax on the release clause if you pay it in full that makes it ridiculously more expensive so it's actually cheaper to pay above the release clause and do it in an installment faction and uh, in, in, in breaking it up over time which is super interesting accounting is fun or you potentially get the deal done for summer and get ahead of the queue then it's like the option b it's not the ideal situation because Enzo comes in Chelsea wins the Champions League again we get three stars and it's a really really positive place to be I live there in my mind space and I would like everybody in the real world to join me there uh the third option is you don't do the deal and you have to look at your alternative options and that really isn't what we've seen this window from Chelsea aside that are now saying this is the person that we've identified we're gonna go out and get them and even if we have to do something different, like the Malagusto deal, which we'll talk about in a little bit, we are willing to wait until summer if it has to be to make that happen. And so like that is something that could could potentially happen. Uh, just to kind of close the book on the Caicedo <laughs> story. So we saw Chelsea bid. We saw Arsenal bid. We saw Caicedo break up on Instagram and Twitter with Brighton. Hey, fam, love you, but sorry, I gotta go. And then it became really awkward for all parties as this continued to move forward with 
Brighton's manager today in the press conference after they beat Liverpool, which was really wonderful. Um, talk about, hey, look, you know, we, we can we want them to stay, but we are willing to move forward without them. And so, like, it's a really interesting place to be. I think at this point, Nick, it feels like Caicedo was likely an option B anyway for Chelsea. And at that price, I think that's also maybe what has moved the needle on the Fernandez deal. The knock-on effect of the increase in price from Brighton has driven Chelsea to say, why are we going to pay you know, a similar amount or within the, the range of that amount for a player who's really our second choice? Yeah, I, 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 they're, they're not the same player, for Correct. All, right? A very different profile of player. You know, Caicedo is a really talented young cat as well. Um, you know, he's yeah. They played really well the the Ecuadorian team and, and the World Cup as well. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's the buying Caicedo instead of Fernandez at that close of a price point is like buying a uh, a souped up Volkswagen instead of a instead of a Mercedes. Like, why would you do that? What? Just buy the fucking Mercedes. If you're going to spend 70 grand on a car, do you you want a tricked out Volkswagen or do you want the Mercedes Benz logo on your car? You want the Mercedes Benz logo, right? Like that, that price I think has, has drawn Chelsea back and gone, maybe this isn't such a bad deal. (laughs) Like, you know, this, this Enzo deal, because he's, he's definitely, he fits a, a, a core need. I, I still don't know what Caicedo would do for us. Like I, I think that's a a bigger question than anything else that we're talking about from a price perspective. Is he a Conte replacement? I don't know. Like he plays this weird kind of hybrid role for Brighton, and he's really good at it. And they're getting, I think, the best out of him right now. Um, but I don't know if he'd do the same here. So I don't know, Ollie, what your thoughts are, but that's kind of how I look at that. Yeah, I think Caicedo is a really talented player, and he is in the hybrid kind of destroyer slash sort of progressive. Uh, carries sort of player right um so i suppose if we were sort of ballparking it then he would be more of a a kante style replacement but caicedo is never going to be as dominant a player as angolo kante has been for chelsea right um it's you know to use your car analogy you know if you buy the mercedes the add-ons come as standard right like you're talking about a luxury player in Enzo, um, he brings everything in terms of that completeness, um, and all the add-ons come as standard. Whereas with Caicedo, you he's going to require more coaching, right? He's still he's still a raw player, and Deserbi and uh, Potter have brought a brilliant amount out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know what his ceiling is. Um, if he does go to Arsenal, for instance, I do think he would make them better just by the nature of of you know that that kind of signing and the impact he would have on a quite a slow midfield uh, he would bring that dynamism but in terms of the way we're looking in in terms of long term like you know almost every single one well every single one of our targets in january has been 21 or under right um i just i just wonder why we would want to compromise on these situations and that's why you look at an Enzo over a Moises Caicedo, especially at the prices that Brighton are asking, and they are not going to back down on these prices. Brighton stick to these prices, right? <laughs> There's a reason why their model works so well. They buy in at six million, they sell at sixty. They buy in at four for Caro Matoma, and you know, as we're recording this, Matoma has just destroyed Liverpool again. 
you know, when Real come in for him or Man City or whoever in a couple of years' time, he is not going to be four million pounds. You know, that's that's <laughs> that's the reality of it. So what we're doing in terms of going for Enzo or going for Caicedo is you're buying that coaching, that couple of years experience, or that in Enzo's case, the six months experience plus plus World Cup. And you're saying, well, we've got that fast track now. And we think that he's far enough along that he will have a massive impact when he gets here. And we won't require that degree of coaching or yeah. the aftermarket body parts. <laughs> yeah. And, and and last and last note on this before we, we take a quick break. I, I I think you're you're making a lot of these signings right now. Right. Some of them are, are big money signings. Some of them are, are relative peanuts. Right. Comparatively. Um your your ideal scenario, though, I think, is yeah, you're paying for past sins in the midfield. Like th there are, it's just going to be expensive to overhaul a midfield with players who are ready. However, what you need to do, you need to walk and chew gum if you're Win Stanley and Shields and Vivell and all, and all these guys, right? Is you need to identify who the next Enzo Enzo Fernandez is at River Plate. You need to go and identify who the next Andre Santos is, right? From Brazil, you need to go pick Isn't up. Isn't Andre Santos next... the next one? <laughs> Didn't we already do that? But there's, I think there's even another one coming, probably. Um, but you need to go get those guys, and you need to do like a three-year lag, right? There needs to be a three-year lag where they have time to get acclimated. You can't just throw them in; it's not fair to them, right? It's a whole different level. But then, when they are ready, when they are pushing for for first-team minutes, you're you're doing the same thing: three-year lag on that player. Right, that's how you build sustainable success. That's what they need to do right now. Well, and as Nick said, we're going to take a real quick break, but we'll be right back to talk more about midfield mania and get into some mucho gusto news for Chelsea. But stay tuned. <laughs> so another thing we wanted to talk about regarding the midfield as we kind of come back in here, and I know Ali, it, it's really about the fact that this is all front-loading the spending for the long term versus the compromise short term, which is what we saw with Chelsea. Over the past two decades, it, really in the latter half of those two last 10 years, where it was really plug for a solution, try to figure out if we could develop a youth talent to take the place or potentially go buy bigger in a different position or buy big and it not work out. Um, this is more of the, hey, yes, it's going to cost a lot of money, but we don't want to be spending a ton of money, particularly as the calculations for net spend in terms of your total wage bill having to be a certain amount of your total earnings coming into effect. And that really the landscape of the financial world of football is going to be changing, not necessarily in the amount that teams bring in, because that feels like it's always on the rise, but how teams are going to be evaluated in their books. And so I think Chelsea, particularly Todd and, and others on that team are making the smart decision now to say, Hey, Things are about to change, and they're not going to change to make it easier to get these players. So before things get really difficult, let's use the maximum ability that our dollars can provide us in terms of maneuverability to get what we want done and be set up for seven years, eight years, ten years. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, you know, we talk about Vision 2030 as the club have put it. This is that vision, right? We're, we're planning long term. And we're in this Goldilocks zone at the moment, right? Between having the freedom to spend after the takeover um, with that kind of added buffer of um, 
the lockdown FFP stuff, which meant you could spend more relative to your, to your income. And we've got the Champions League money still, right? You know, we're we're in the round of 16. Hopefully we get further than that. And then we have even more leeway to do things. Um, but it's kind of now or we wait for a couple of years, right? Because that's the reality of it in terms of spending. So we have this freedom to spend right now because of the takeover, because we're debt free, because of this extra leeway through FFP. And we can still do that up until the summer with these extra long clauses, you know, um, friend of the pod, Naz is reporting that uh, Enzo is happy with a deal of seven and a half years with an option for eight, right? And I wouldn't even be surprised if maybe there's an option further than that. Um, so he is very keen for that to happen. Um, but this is the sort of long-term deals that we're looking at because we can do them right now. And I think part of the beauty of the of the takeover is we have intelligent people who've taken over. They're not stupid. They know what they're doing. They see these supposed loopholes or whatever, but it's a time to act. And they've they've got the means to do it in terms of the money and the staff and the acquisition teams, the recruitment teams who have seen this talent. And we're ready to move. And, you know, they're putting action behind their words. And I think that's, it's quite obvious that we have a plan and we're acting on it. Yeah, I mean, if I had a nickel for every get bully and co away from my team tweet that I saw this, this summer, or if I saw this fall, or I saw two days ago, I, I think when you look at the January transfer window, which we all thought was going to be insanely difficult to pull off deals, and you look at the not only the deals that we pulled off, but you know the ones that are still in the hopper, and you look at the profile of player that you got in January, like I genuinely didn't think this was possible. Like I, I didn't, I didn't remotely think it was possible. Add to the fact that you have uh, inspired UEFA to change their rules because they're a super above board organization. Don't you worry about it. Uh, and you pissed off Arsenal fans in the process. Like, is there some sort of like medal that we can give them? Like, I, I really, I just don't. <laughs> it, it's an amazing thing. And and all we're doing is playing by the rules that are stated right now. There was never a rule out like Arsenal just didn't do seven year deals except for Sex Fabregas back in the day. Like we're just doing them because we can and we know what amortization looks like and we're we're trying to to stay within the 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 rules provided. If if FFP does come back and give us a fine, Dan, I want us to Randy Moss straight cash homie that fine over to them uh in Egg Bali's jet while we sign another player. That's what I want to do. Okay. So I, I like do it, man. You're playing by the rules. Everyone else is mad about it because they can't do it. Well, look, uh, as as we've heard on uh, a little known program, The Wire, the game is the game, and uh, <laughs> you know, in fact, in this scenario, Todd Bowley been, and others. You've been wire heavy <laughs> lately on these quotes, my guy. Look, is you know, I'm, I'm just going. I'm going to. I'm going to a show that I know you like versus uh, dropping White Lotus quotes because I know those are not yeah, going to resonate with please. you anymore. Um, but since the game is the game and since we are going to get these deals done and talking about Vision 2030, uh, we do want to make a pit stop to discuss the Malagusto goodness that happened over the past week or so. Look, uh, Chelsea got the deal done with Leon for French defender. Just please, Deschamps, don't 
don't injure half of our team that <laughs> you're going to be calling up in the future. That's uh, the only bad thing with all of these French players coming to Chelsea. Uh, the deal is until June 2030, and he will spend the remainder of the season on loan at Lyon. And uh, in his intro clip, he talked about he is a fast player, a crosser, and box-to-box in terms of what he will bring to the team looking very ready to be in the Chelsea Blue Ollie in the announcement video. Again, very professionally crafted by both him and Chelsea on their independent channels. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll see like a massive uptick in terms of production um, given the takeover. And I wouldn't be surprised if that extends to the kind of TV offering and, and streaming offering and an app offering that we get going forward. So that's maybe something to look forward to. Um, but in terms of Mallow, yeah, I mean, again, he's a he's a first choice target. Uh, he's 19. He's already like clearly uh, an elite talent. Um, you're talking about a guy who who used to uh, play rugby um, when he was when he was younger, so he can kind of look after himself in those one on ones. He is obviously raw. But his pace is absolutely electric. And that's, <laughs> you know, if you think across the signings we've made this window, that is a clear theme in terms of the physicality. Um, but yeah, his his uh, delivery, especially on the run and and from the byline in the final third is, is truly elite and a real weapon. And yeah, we finally, finally got a backup for Reese James. Hashtag world's best right back. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy has the ability to give him some really good competition or give us that versatility to move Reese inside or next to him or whatever. You know, this is something that we've been crying out for since Reese broke through, since we've given him so much responsibility, you know, and since he's become so much of our system is basically Reese James FC. We need someone at least to rest him, but also to give that really competent competition. Perfect three-year lag, right? This is a it's a really great example of that. Obviously, we bought this player to to do exactly what you just said, Ollie. But I think for me, because of the amount of games that Chelsea play in a season, you almost have to have a rotational schedule with these guys now. I mean, they've played so much football over the last three years with the pandemic and the World Cup and, you know, Chelsea making it to cup finals every year, it seems like. And it's just and and they're not playing like they did back in the 70s. Right. This isn't lump the ball forward, have a nice job, go get it like they're they're in physical duels every time they touch the ball. This is a, a completely different physical ask of these guys. And so. To me, having a guy that can come in and be Reese Jr. doesn't give your opposition the chance to rest. It doesn't give you a chance to, to not game plan. I mean, I, like on the other side, too, I, I know that the guys are looking at Matson right now going, uh-oh, kid's a problem. <laughs> He's a real problem. And, like, then you have backup there, too, right? Like, it, the fullbacks have have become such a big part of the way that modern teams play football that you have to have either someone who is never hurt, always at 100%, always giving you their best, or a rotational option that doesn't drop the level so far 
that you have to play completely differently. Like right now, Chelsea are are playing like kind of an inverted, abnormal, weirdo formation to try and like patch up some holes where Reese James would be, right? Trying to get enough contributions in from Ziyech and Trev Chalaba and Dave to make that kind of work. Dan, this is a profile player that just you plop him right in and then he he does kind of the same stuff and that's great. Well, if you haven't heard it yet, you can go back and listen to the player profile special that Sam and I did going into what he is going to bring, how he really brings up the floor for the replacement level. So, you know, as we've seen, you know, really from this season, the drop off from Reese James to whomever else is deputizing in that scenario, it's a pretty steep drop. It's like you uh, you didn't build a couple of uh, stairs, uh, levels of steps, and uh, you just have to jump down uh, three stories. Um, in this scenario, you're really raising the floor, and then that way, potentially, as Gusto improves and as Reese gets an opportunity to be back at full fitness, that you're really creating a competitive nature, which is what you've wanted to see for a very long time in terms of you know having someone like you know, being able to Ben Chilwell and Kukurea when Ben Chilwell is back because I think Ben would be the rightful number one and Kukurea then would be challenged to compete for the spot and then you get a good net outcome because your floor and your ceiling are not so necessarily distanced that you have to completely change the way that you play and so I know that we've you know given Graham Potter a, a lot of breathing room so far this season because I think I think the CFC Daily put it out that effectively there's been zero games this season where we've had a 100% fully fit opportunity for Graham Potter or uh, Tuchel at the very early part of the season uh, getting a chance to choose from every player in this Chelsea side so yeah I think in general we're very happy with this signing it makes sense from everything we know about what the club want to be doing and the fact that we have to wait six months to really see him at the club, Ali. I mean, that, that can feel a little unfortunate. But when you think about the fact that you do have Trev, you have Ruben, who's been able to deputize in the right wing back spot before, who's now coming back healthy. Uh, you do have Asby. Probably don't want to play him every week, but potentially you could play him every other match. We're out of multiple competitions. And so really... You only need to play Reese seven more times this season on the run-up to Chelsea winning the Champions League. Uh, I just need to stress that. Seven more games, Chelsea win the Champions League versus trying to fight for fourth in 19 remaining games of the Premier League doesn't make sense. Just play him in the seven Champions League games. Uh, so in that regard, this feels like an okay situation, even though you don't get the player right away. Definitely. I mean, you've you've secured the bag for the summer, right? I mean, this is our first time. This is our first choice option and it's about looking at that kind of long-term quality build like we want a squad that can challenge on all fronts no matter if we get a couple of injuries or like 12 as we as we did do a couple of couple of weeks ago we want that overall quality to be really high but i think you touched on a really important point there as well which is you know we all love aspi right what he's done for this club and you're now giving him a chance to say goodbye and and have that kind of amazing handover at the end of the season where we can all show him the love that he deserves. And then we've got a replacement coming in 11 years after he signed for us from Liga with a similar reputation, 
down the right hand side and it's almost like there's a kind of a plan in place to do that handover and you know if he can if he can have a career at Chelsea anything like a Cispilicueta then we're on to a massive winner right Nick yeah 100% and yeah Dave Dave does deserve that I mean I'm glad you brought that up I I know that you know we're all kind of prisoners of the moment you know especially when things aren't going that well um I I think Dave needs to get his flowers before before he leaves because it's been it's been tough right he's not playing at a level I think he would love um and I really genuinely hope that there's a nice moment at the end of the season where we've qualified for the Champions League because you know you know something um you know really great that's happened and that he's able to kind of ride off into the sunset and you know it's it's it needs to be said he is one of the greatest winners ever in Chelsea Football Club <laughs> This is not a chump, man. Like I, I feel like people are disrespecting him all the time now because he's not playing at a great level. But uh, yeah, I, I love I love that perspective, and I, and I hope I hope that's what happens. I hope we get that sort of nice moment. Well, it will be the all tucked in tribute to Aspilicueta oh, yeah. as he goes. I'll tuck off. mine in too. Just <laughs> Fan, in. fans and players and coaching staff and match officials alike, everyone will be tucked in for that in particular game. But we're going to take one quick break before we look at Friday Night Football, Chelsea versus Fulham, the return of the men's team, senior men's team, to action and talking about what we might expect there. So we'll be right back after these messages. All right, again, we get the uh, privilege or dishonor of having to return to action on Friday night English time. And uh, terribly within like the middle part of the day in the U.S. So get your doctor's notes, your office, out of office calendar blockers in place to take advantage of getting a chance to watch this game. Nick, are you excited after all of this to welcome Chelsea back in front of your eyeballs and see hopefully a improved results against Fulham in this go? I am. I mean, let's not forget they're good this year. I mean, this isn't like a fake good Fulham team. Now, I think we should have beat them before. Um, even with how bad we played, I think we still had a chance to beat them. Um, I think that Liverpool game and then the subsequent 12-day break or 13-day break, whatever it is, was like the ultimate tease. Like you saw a couple of players that you really want to see. We've signed a couple of players since then, right? Like it's been a busy twelve days, but uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see the team back out. I don't know if Mujer will start. I don't know if Madueke will start. I, I don't know what the team is going to look like. Who's kind of coming back to fitness? Maybe one restreams, maybe not. Um, I would love to understand what our injury list looks like after this break. Maybe it's the same. Maybe it's different. But yeah, I think we're all ready to get back. I mean, I, I said this after the the Liverpool game only. I think. I think Chelsea have bottomed, and they're on the way back up. I think other teams, <coughs> Liverpool, are still on the way down, and uh, and and yeah, I think there's, I think the vibes are lifted a little bit after kind of the the the, the window that we've had and some of the performances that we've seen. Definitely, um, you know, traditionally uh, in England, when there's a really early kickoff on a Saturday, um, you know, it sets the agenda for the whole weekend, right? And that's that's uh, doubled when it's on a Friday night. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I think actually what we'll see in the stadium is is a really nice vibe because you're going to see 
uh, debuts for as in home debuts for for new signings. I think Madrid probably will start, given that he ends every training session with like three hours more of training and weight training and <laughs> finishing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think he's ready, um, and that will kind of build uh, the crowd atmosphere as well. And look, we're looking for the uh, very rare case of having to avenge a defeat against Fulham. That just doesn't happen at this football club. And we need to <laughs> set it straight, <laughs> you know, show them where they are in West London and actually show that we are on the way back up with the added bonus of probably moving up the league. So we go first this weekend and that gives us, you know, potentially a psychological advantage heading into the rest of the season where, you know, the rest of the league is going to be watching us and they're going to see have we changed at all in these two weeks? You know, there were there were sort of fits and starts against uh, Liverpool, um, with Madrid especially. But, you know, this is now our chance to say, no, we are back on our front foot and we are going to progress for the rest of the season. You know, whether a new mega <laughs> midfield signing is also involved on that Friday, who knows? But what's come in so far is very impressive and i think the vibes around the club are really positive right now yeah you've had a chance to see some of the training videos we've seen players like reese james who've been getting a chance to work on his fitness i think given the run of matches so to contextualize what the remainder of chelsea's february looks like so it's a total of five matches it's chelsea versus fulham chelsea away to west ham the following saturday and then coming into that next week Chelsea away to Dortmund, Chelsea at home for Southampton, and then Chelsea uh, going to Tottenham. So there's actually not a ton of travel outside of the Champions League game that Chelsea are going to have to do, which is probably nice from a, a strain and you know being able to uh, kind of cause disruption there. I would expect for someone like Reese, if he does get time in this match, it's probably a cameo at the end to get him ready to play against West Ham and then get him ready to go full speed against Dortmund. I think that is the match that has to be circled. Every Champions League match, the two remaining at this point, and hopefully the next two after that are the ones that Graham Potter and team will have circled as the most important remaining fixtures on the calendar outside of maybe the Leeds match that we're going to be you know, in London for. Uh, I, I do think Graham Potter and team want to make sure that we get to see something nice with the uh, all of our friends when we're over there. We'll have like, a chat. <laughs> We'll have a chat with them, obviously. We'll yeah, we'll send them a Telegram, yeah. WhatsApp. But just we just need to know, Graham, what what form of messaging system and apparatus you use. So we we can we can conform to that. Hey, hey, fellas, come into town. Would love to see a show. You know, just please, everyone, please do your best. Um, yeah, look, man. I mean, it is March is going to get hairy pretty quick. Uh, so you get you got to use the you know the rest of the time that you have here. Uh, in February to to step up and start playing your best football and chart a new course, right? Because we know it's not been good enough this year. We know the performances have not been good enough. There's a hell of a lot more competition now than there was before the window started uh, for places, for people to consider their futures. And so hopefully that adds some incentive uh, to individual performances to, to, be get, uh, to get better. And I hope that Graham has used this time effectively on the training ground. Right, communicating ideas, communicating play styles, thinking about how this team is going to compete against a lot of different types of opposition coming up. Um, 
that's his job, right? And so he has to do a better job as well. But you know, I think uh, I think we're all pretty pretty psyched. If Enzo gets done, um, we're going to be on cloud nine from a vibes perspective. It's going to be awesome. It would also, Ollie, as you talked about here, going up on the table, a win against Fulham this weekend would actually put us on 32 points. So we jump into, uh, before the weekend matches, into sixth position. Uh, And then you would also have an opportunity to make up ground on Tottenham later in the month, too. And so you could very quickly catapult back into... Uh, or maybe slingshot and hope that you stay there versus catapult, which would be a uh, up and then down scenario in terms of how gravity works. But this would ultimately be a way for Chelsea to make up quick ground before the end of the month uh, and reestablish themselves in the league for the remainder of the season. A hundred percent. You know, that it's all about momentum at this stage. You know, we've had this kind of reset. We've got the fourth round, the FA Cup uh, going on this weekend. Uh, it's all about hitting the ground running again because now it's going to be non-stop until the end of the season. Like we are not going to see another rest period, which is why, you know, we talked about the returnees in Reese and Ben. We have to get that right. Like we absolutely have to get that right. No more full steps, no more, you know, starting ahead of schedule, no more overplaying, no more minutes than need to be done. They need to be there for Dortmund. If they're there for Dortmund, then you know, fine, I'm all good with that. And you know what, we get a good result out in Dortmund. And then we look at the home leg, and it's not so bad anymore, right? This is all about finding that momentum, making sure the players are in the right condition, getting that incredible midfield signing over the line, hopefully this week then you're looking at a really positive end to the season. I think that is the way to cap this one off. So hopefully we do see that positive end of the season. There's a whole lot to go this week. We have uh, the 30th and the 31st. So uh, we're recording this on the 29th. uh, But, you know, there's still plenty of time for deals to get done, for faxes to be sent and hopefully received because that's how this is still done for some absolutely ludicrous reason. But... Ollie, thanks for joining us on short notice to talk about what is an exciting time at Chelsea Football Club, and we appreciate you being here. Always, man. Chaos and Chelsea, we wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, Nick, uh, glad you're back after uh, hopefully not breaking multiple clubs over your knees. Uh, it's a very good thing uh, in that scenario. Yep. No, we're we're all good. We're, we're back, uh, ready to get started again, man. Uh, Friday can't come soon enough. All right, Chelsea fans, let's go do it for this one. Hopefully more good news this week and more good vibes ahead of Chelsea taking on Fulham this weekend. But until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.